Welcome to Giving Connected, presented by Paisa Giving. We're happy you're able to join us today. Giving Connected was created to bring awareness to great nonprofits around the country. Hey everyone, today we're going to be interviewing the Executive Director of AFC AIDS, Tanya Weaver. Hey Tanya, how are you? I'm doing well, how are you? Very well, Saturday morning, coffee in hand. Yes. <laughs> um, so before we dive into what your organization does, we definitely like to get to know uh, who we're interviewing and kind of give our listeners some insight into who you are and just build a little background there. So if you just tell us about yourself, uh, where did you grow up? Uh, what did you go to school for? And um, what led you to working in the nonprofit arena? Sure. So I was actually born in the States, but I was raised in Colombia, South America, where my parents were missionaries and they actually worked at an orphanage. They were the directors of an orphanage. And that's where I think that my formative years and what led to me to stay in non-for-profit was born. Um, it's all I knew, working with um, the poor and the disadvantaged. And it was a regular life. Um, so I did my 12 years of schooling in Columbia and then uh, returned to the States for college and for graduate school. Um, I studied art of all things, fine arts in college and got my master's in art therapy, uh, thinking that I would work with children of war um, as that is really how I was raised in Columbia and what I was comfortable with. Um, but I ended up instead working with children in Africa. Um, I first worked with Habitat for Humanity in Central Asia and in Eastern Europe. And I met my husband there, even though he too is from Pennsylvania. We had to go all the way to Romania to meet. Um, and then we came back to the States after Habitat after about five years and headed off to Afghanistan for a year to help with the rebuilding. And then when I was pregnant with our first child, we um, were looking for a place to, to settle down, and I was asked if I would help start AFCA. And um, wanting to raise my child at home, um, it was an answer to everything that we were looking for. I could work with children internationally. I could raise a child at home. I could work from anywhere in the world, keep my feet in non-for-profit, uh, which is really where my heart has always been. It's, it's what I know. Um, and it's what I like. I like development. I like working um, with helping people rise up and get out of poverty. So that's how I ended up here. Oh, then awesome. 16 years later, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a common theme I think that we see. Um, we've talked about it before, you know, what type of people tend to go into nonprofit work and work for nonprofits. Uh, obviously, you know, we've said it so many times, it takes special people to work there and you have to have a certain mentality to be able to work in a nonprofit um, area, but it's pretty cool. I mean, you've lived in a lot of places and worked in a lot of places. I don't think I know anyone who has lived or worked in Afghanistan. So that's oh, pretty cool. Well, there you go. I spent a year there. I loved it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, it goes to show that, that experience, right? That seeing the different perspectives is something that, you know, is so important. Even for me, when I, when I get to see a, a new vantage point of how somebody else lives or somebody else works, then yeah. I, I kind of open up and I, Definitely yeah, understand. Yeah. How, how did that process of starting AFC AIDS with, you know, um, was it difficult? Um, you know, what challenges did you initially face when starting it? 
It was really difficult, I have to say. First of all, I was eight months pregnant, just back from Afghanistan. And I'm faced with the knowledge that 97% of the children with AIDS were dying um, by the time they were two, because there was no medicine for them. Uh, like it wasn't even, there was no not even anything that was a pediatric formula. So it's not that it wasn't available. It just wasn't there. It hadn't been created for children. So um, it was hard to get into this having not worked in Africa before, um, having not worked with AIDS in particular before, and facing just wall after wall with pharmaceutical companies saying, no, we're not going to donate. You know, why would we donate? Um, and then facing wall after wall with shipping companies saying, no, we're not going to give you a lower rate to ship things over. And just trying to educate also the public here in the States that children can be born with AIDS and children can be um, affected by AIDS. It's not just a specific population. Um, and it affects an entire community and just trying to do this education of people while starting new non-for-profit from my basement while pregnant in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania about children in Africa. Um, so lots of challenges for sure. Um, but I think that I learned a lot through it and my experience in the past having worked overseas really helped, um, to be able to at least as a person um, be known for my character and be known that I had experience and be known that I'm not just making money off of the back of people, but that there really was a need and that we were trying to fill that need. Um, and it was friends and family and known people who knew me that started supporting this and then it started growing. Uh, but yeah, it was hard. It was hard to start for sure. That's cool. Lots There's of creativity. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. It's like a grassroots origin. You said, you know, like friends and family. Yeah. yeah and yeah. it's remarkable kind of even being pregnant and going through all that and, and having that, uh, yeah. having that drive to still continue doing it and pushing it. Right. Um, I think one question is, you know, for people who've never heard of ABC AIDS, you know, what is the mission statement or what is the bare bones of what you're trying to accomplish in Africa? Yeah. So, Really, we are here to help children infected or affected by AIDS to be able to become self-sustaining. So whereas at the very beginning, it was let's keep children alive. Let's just give them the medicine that they need. Then it had it's evolved and it's now, well, we don't want to become welfare. So let's teach them how they can provide for themselves. So let's move them to a place where they can actually take care of their own needs. So we have sustainable projects with food um, and with um, trainings so that they can actually buy their own medicine. So we're moving away from give, give, give to train, train, train and teach and let you become the one who's taking care of yourself and your future family. Uh, but we do it, you know, through education, through trainings, livestock projects, garden projects, um, tailoring. We do various things, whatever works in specific communities. Wow, that's pretty cool. So not only are you guys trying to help them impact them like in a direct way, but also set them up for the future to be able to impact their families and help their families. Correct. Exactly. Mm -hmm. so, and we do it at a family level, an individual level, as well as an organizational level. So we help orphanages and hospitals and clinics as well. 
Got it. Um, yeah. One, one question. I think on the, I think everybody should check out uh, their website. It's a, it's a, a really good website, afcaids.org. One question on there, I saw, you know, under the venture section, um, there's a program called Climb Up Programs. Um, you know, it, it, it looks um, really, really cool. You know, they you, you take a certain place and you they have the cost listed out and they have everything listed out. Um, kind of, you can set dates and everything. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about how that works. Sure. So um, it came about one day because my husband's a climber and I asked him, I said, so, hey, what do you guys do to help the world? Like marathoners raise money and walkers raise money. What do climbers do? And he's like, "Um, I don't think we do anything. So we decided to try this climb up so kids can grow up um, fundraiser. And what happens is. We have Kilimanjaro, Machu Picchu in Peru, uh, New Zealand, Nepal, um, and Patagonia as places where we will take teams who either want to climb physically like Kilimanjaro or go on hikes like Patagonia. And you fundraise a specific amount for the organization. You also pay for your costs to go to this place and you get in shape while you are raising money for children. So we wanted people to actually be active in their fundraising physically, as well as as they're working to get the money. Um, But in mind, having the children that they're helping. So the very first team, my husband went uh, with a group from Nike and I went and I took a group of women to Kilimanjaro. And it was amazing to have a specific goal in mind um, that you're not just climbing for yourself, this is not just a vacation, but actually every, literally every step that you're taking, you are helping a child. Um, and we give the climbers and the participants the name of a specific child to keep in mind and a photo so that they know who it is that they're helping. And we give reports back of where did we use the money? What program is it helping? Um, and how they've changed the life of children. So it's a pretty cool way of using adventure um, while helping these children that you might never meet, although some teams have decided to go and meet the children. And so they've just flown from Kilimanjaro to Kenya and they met some children. Um, But a lot of them can't because, you know, their vacation time is short, but it's a neat way to participate and get something off your own bucket list. Yeah, that's pretty cool. It's it's interesting way to like a different perspective to look at like a vacation or like doing something like Mm -hmm. athletic or sporty where you can actually have this mission or goal of like, okay, I'm impacting like this particular child or, you know, this group by doing this. So it's kind of going beyond you, but taking something that you'd typically do for your own edification and, you know, using it to build up somebody else. So that's really cool. Um, So I just wanted to ask, you might've kind of covered this already, but um, like AIDS is a very specific area to um, work in, in like a nonprofit area in, in the nonprofit world. So why is it that you, this is like something that you chose to work in and this with this particular illness? And Sure. Um, particularly AIDS, when we started, as I said, children were not receiving the medicine that they needed in Africa. We knew of a group of priests that had done training for social workers in Mombasa, Kenya, and they had 300 social workers out in the field working every day, going through the slums helping children, but what they were doing really was helping them die by loving them to the last day. There was no medicine for them. So it's palliative care. It was just basically 
you're not alone in this journey. Um, and they are the ones that said we can do so much more if we had medicine to help them. So that's how we came along and we decided to try to provide this medicine for them. Um, as I said, in those days, there was no medicine for children. So they actually had a crush adult medicine, weigh a baby, give them a specific amount of that medicine so that you don't kill the baby or the baby doesn't become uh, resistant to the drugs because you're giving them too much or too little. Um, these guys are heroes, really, those doctors out there and the social workers. Um, and it was just sheer need that drove us there. There was nobody else doing this in Africa at that time. Yeah. Uh, and in that slum, we were losing so many kids. So many kids were dying. And now it's completely reversed. Um, I actually don't think we've lost a child in five years. Wow. Um, That's amazing. Which is amazing. You know, the last time I got a call that a child died, um, it wasn't because of AIDS. It was... Um, five years ago, but she died of something else. And it's remarkable, you know, that just by providing the medicine and the food that they needed, right. that they would be okay. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. And doing the same for a mom before she gives birth, just make sure she has what she needs. Then that baby can be born negative. So it's right. actually not complicated. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a, it's like a problem that actually has a really simple attainable solution. It was just a matter of having the boots on the ground and the personnel in the background to kind of facilitate achieving that. So that's really cool that you guys, like this is what sparked that interest and mm -hmm. the impact you guys are having. And that's pretty great to go from a place where children are dying from AIDS pretty consistently to, like you said, now where you've been able to reverse that trend. I'm sure that's, mm -hmm. that's really uh, impactful for you being running this as well. So that's, that's really cool. So we kind of touched on um, the climb up program and vacation with a purpose program, but what other, other types of programs that you guys offer and that you guys do? Yeah. So um, along with the climb up, we also take teams to Africa It's called vacation with a purpose. And usually I lead teams, although we do have a couple other team leaders and We'll go to a program that we support, whether it's a greenhouse project or whether it's working at an orphanage, maybe a goat project, maybe at a clinic. And we will volunteer for a couple of weeks and actually do things with the children and work with them and uh, either teach or sew, you know, whatever they need from us, we are there to serve. And then we, at the very end of the two weeks, we take a couple of days for a safari because you can't go to Africa and come back not having seen an elephant or a giraffe or something. So um, we combine the idea of you donating your vacation time uh, because United States really has restrictive vacation times a lot of times. So to two weeks, you're donating that to us and you're giving it a purpose that isn't just for you to relax. So um, you get hands-on working with the community and working with the children. It's really cool. Um, we have a lot of repeat people because they love it. And I've been doing it for many years. We took the Habitat for Humanity model of taking people overseas. And it's been, it's been great, both for the recipients and for the people who participate. So, yeah, I got two teams going to Zimbabwe this summer. If anybody wants to go, I'm taking a team actually for the climb up. <laughs> Uh, next March to Patagonia, if anybody wants to go. March of so. 2022? 
Yes, okay, I have is, a couple spots on that one open. What are the requirements to go <laughs> for going? Do you want me to mail it, email it to you? Yeah, seriously, because okay. Patagonia is one of the places on my bucket list to go and visit. And uh, uh-huh. so, yeah, and I like want to another goal I have is to like mountain climb. And I think like what I have in mind is probably not attainable. But like if I can go climbing in Patagonia, why not? I mean, yeah. if there's an opportunity, yeah, let me know right? what the requirements yeah. are. I'll, no, Patagonia has <laughs> been on my list since I was 16. Yeah, And so I keep adding my bucket list to this <laughs> climb. I'm like, Kilimanjaro was on my list. Okay, I'm going to start with that. So, yeah. Is, I'm is gonna... the climb in Patagonia hard, like a difficult no. one? Or? No, okay. it's not. It's actually more hikes. Okay. And awesome. there's a couple that are self-guided, like you decide your the how hard you want it to be. And then the other one is through the um, what do you call them? The icebergs. So wow. it'll be beautiful. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. It's definitely send me the list. <laughs> I, I'm, I, it's funny. I was at uh, went to like dinner with my cousin yesterday, and he was telling me the same thing. I mean, we're trying to like plan trips where like we can go hiking and mountain climbing. So this is like perfect. Yeah, I am all Hell. for it. <laughs> this is great there you have yeah it. no it's it's it looks yeah. nice on that picture too yeah on that on the website too so yeah i'm excited we were supposed to go last year but covid just kind of killed everything yep. and then yeah. this year covid again because it was meant to be march but hopefully everything will be ready to go because they've opened up so yep. it's gonna yeah. be next march okay that's Sp- awesome i'll send you info <laughs> perfect speaking yeah. of covid um i think it's a it's a challenge, of course, um, that every nonprofit's faced, right, in different ways. Um, I think I think with COVID and any other challenges you face, so what are some other challenges that AFC faced so far? I know you talked about the initial start, right? That was a challenge, a, a huge challenge. What are some things that you can kind of remember about that? Oh, my goodness. I could tell you some challenges. So um, COVID, obviously, has been, it changed the world. It's literally changed everything that I know, um, how to get things into a country with borders closed, when we have to get seeds from one country to another, when we have to get medicine across borders, when you have to um, fly into a city to drive to another city, all of those things have changed Yeah, because transportation has been stopped, because borders are closed, because things are no longer available. But the worst side of COVID, I think, is um, girls having to sell themselves into prostitution again because markets are closed. Businesses have crashed. Um, They're not able to go to work because transportation is closed. How do you feed your siblings if you're the oldest person in the family and you're raising four children and you happen to be a girl? So we have so many unintended consequences because of closing businesses and closing borders. And one of them is AIDS is on the rise again. Um, The World Health Organization says that we're going back to the rates of 2008. Um, We have so many more girls that are getting pregnant. Um, AIDS is not the only STD that girls are getting, of course. Um, It's a mess, it's a mess out there. Hunger has gone up exponentially and those who were poor have become poorer. Um, it's horrendous what we're seeing. We're doing many more food programs now, um, which shouldn't be, we should be on, we were doing so well. And then COVID came along. 
other, uh, you know, other challenges we've had is anytime there's a tsunami, a hurricane, um, anything helping happening around the world, all of a sudden AIDS is forgotten again, you know, because AIDS has been around for 30 something years. So it's not something that people really keep on the forefront of their mind. Um, so when a Katrina happens, whoa, all the money goes that way. When something else happens, all the money goes that way. COVID now, my goodness, if we cannot prove that we are doing COVID relief, it's almost impossible to get a grant for AIDS. I'm like, wait, I'm already working in my own pandemic. Why do I now need to work in my own pandemic plus prove that I am spending money on a second pandemic? So um, anytime we have something big happening in the world, it affects what we do. But then we have things like locusts. Last year in the middle of COVID, we had Billions of locusts come through East Africa and they just were going straight through killing all these fields and all the food that we've planted for our families. Then same week, I get a phone call. We flooded. It rained and rained and rained and rained and flooded. So it's just a never ending cycle of different things that happen. We've got climate change. We've got locusts. We've got COVID. We've got hurricanes. We've got AIDS. It's, so, it's a lot. So the battle to like fight the AIDS pandemic actually goes far beyond just fighting the, what the disease is doing. And then obviously, I mean, I think like not to make this about COVID, but like our news living in the U.S., like we are very focused on the impact of AIDS here in the United States. But then I mean, you really don't hear about how is it impacting in places like third world countries. And like you said, yeah. I mean, the AIDS pandemic or COVID has impacted parts of Africa in yeah. ways that you couldn't even imagine happening here in Absolutely. the U.S. So. People are not informed because our news don't talk about anything outside, really. It's about very insular. You know, our businesses are closing. We are struggling, which is true. You know, it's true. We can't take away from that. But we, in general, are quite ignorant of what's happening overseas. Yeah. because of COVID, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's a good point. Uh, I think we've brought it up in the past is, you know, even while we're going through COVID here, you know, places like Africa are going through COVID and still the viruses and the stuff that they've already been dealing with, right? Correct. So it's not like it's ending, like it's ages taking us like a, a backseat, like they're stopping, right? It's continuing yeah. both fronts. So Yeah, I think uh, like we've almost treated, not it's like an unintentional consequence that we've almost treated COVID as if like this is like the most clear and present danger right now, but everything else is just like not happening. And the reality is like anything that was occurring in the world prior to COVID is still happening. And yeah. sometimes in many situations, it's getting worse. It's just like you said, like that money that was once going to impact like the AIDS pandemic is now being shifted towards COVID. And now the unintentional consequences that like AIDS that pandemic has fell to the back burner, but it's actually getting worse. As you said, I mean, it's yeah. on the rise right. there and, you know, and, and that's Correct. really the goal with our podcast, right. To bring awareness to causes like this. Cause you know, we're, we live in a world that's so focused on like what's here in front of us. We're not looking at what's happening, beyond, you know, in the background behind the scenes in other places. And our goal yeah. is to bring awareness to those things. Yeah. And, it, and hopefully, um, you know, 
with the pandemic hopefully slowing down, we can, I mean, hopefully funding can, and other resources continue to fall back, right? Hopefully within this year and kind of moving into the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, my hope is that, you know, uh, the lost donations kind of increase like twice, right? Like the twofold yeah, like of what, twofold yeah, of what was last, last year as well. Yeah. But on, yeah. a, on, a, on a brighter note, you know, I think we've talked about some of the challenges, but what are some of the, your favorite moments some of your favorite stories. I'm sure that's the stuff that kind of keeps you keeps you going through all these challenges, right? Those mm-hmm. those stories of maybe that one child or that one person that, you know, their life has changed. What are some of those, you know, that you can tell us about? I have a load of them. I love my stories because I have so many kids that are alive because of this tiny organization. Um, and you have to know, literally my organization, 16 years has been in my kitchen. So it's small, but it's so neat because of all the people in Africa who work to help these kids. But I think one of my favorite is um, being in Kenya and having been asked to be with a woman who was having a C-section. Electricity had gone off, so it was going to be done by candlelight. And I was having to shine a flashlight on the doctor as he was literally cutting this woman open. Um, and we had to take, you know, they had to take the baby out. And I was holding her hand And she just kept saying to me, please tell me he's negative. Please tell me the baby is HIV negative. And she had been given medicine with the hopes that the baby would be negative. And when he was born, he was gorgeous little kid. And they tested him right away. And just having the pleasure of telling her, your baby really is negative. And watching her, her joy and her hope for this child that he was going to be okay. So that was beautiful because it kind of cements everything that we do, you know, the maternal health, the helping the baby, then having that baby grow up healthfully. Um, Other things are like, I have kids. There was this girl that was found in a slum. She was 27 pounds when she was seven years old. Let's put that in perspective. My child was 20 pounds when she was one year old. Okay, so this little child was bones and she was found and now she's a teacher and she's a violin player and she writes me. She calls me mom and she's like, mom, this is what I'm doing today. And I can write her on WhatsApp. And she's a young lady who is teaching other children and she's alive because of what we do. So um, we have many stories like that. I have stories of families that. The father used to sell matches just to survive. And now they have a little farm and each of the children have animals that they've learned how to raise. And every single child, his four biological and his five adopted AIDS orphans, all of them are in school. All of them are healthy. I have visited them in Congo. I see them. They, it's amazing. It's amazing to be able to look at them and know their story and where they came from and where they're going. And to hear him say, if you hadn't trusted us with three pregnant goats and with the seeds and with the training, I don't know how many of these kids would be alive. And now to see them all doing well. And that's a story we see over and over and over again. So I have so many stories, so many photos, so many um, good memories that do keep me going, even even when it's hard, even when people go, what? AIDS still exists? I hear that more often than not. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been good. Yeah, it's and good. my children, my children get to see that, too. My biological children go to 
Africa every summer and they get to see these kids and they get to, to see with their own eyes that what their mom does has some value in the life of somebody else as well as theirs. So it's cool. Wow, that's awesome. So even though there's like a lot of challenges you face, there's a lot of like positive moments that kind of. Oh, 100%. That's awesome. Otherwise, it'd be really, really impossible to do this. If everything was negative, yeah. that'd be hard. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. only imagine. So um, we've kind of talked about the programs you guys do, and we talked about the whole like climbing up and all the, the various programs that allow other people to get involved. But for our listeners, we want to make sure they know um, what is the best way for them to get involved and get connected with AFCA? Yeah, so there's various ways. People can obviously participate in our events that we've mentioned. They can also volunteer anywhere in the world they are. We always need people to help either with blog writing, with research, with social media sharing, with uh, creation of social media posts and things, because really I'm a one and a half man band. So volunteers are the ones who make this work. Um, We need seamstresses, people who want to make baby kits, people who want to come to our warehouse on the first Saturday of the month uh, to help get things together to ship to Africa. Um, We have all sorts of needs, but we also need donors. You know, every nonprofit is going to tell you that, and we do need them. Thankfully, 94% of everything that we receive goes straight into our programs. So we're not messing around with donations. We really make them count for all that they're worth. So people can donate online or they can send a check-in or they can donate through Facebook. Um, And then we will put those donations to work um, either with medicine for the kids or livestock or training or seeds or water filters, solar lights, you know, whatever they need. Uh, We we put it to work. Um, And we can use people from all ages. I've had volunteers as young as five at our warehouse that have much better memories than the older people. So they work really well at helping sorting things. And I have volunteers that are 86 years old that are still sewing um, and helping us. So anybody can help for sure. Yeah. And one, one thing to add, I think it's interesting on your, on your website as well, you can donate with cryptocurrency. So oh, no way. it's the new, yes! it's the new thing. So <laughs> I thought it was very interesting if somebody uh, wanted to, to give that way, it's another viable yeah. option too. So, yeah, that's really absolutely. Cool. Yeah, I'm trying to get all hip here, so I had to learn a little <laughs> bit about cryptocurrency. Trust me, we're also learning. It's yeah. a, it's a progress. Yes. <laughs> um, so we also want to just, as a leader in the nonprofit space and um, working with this organization, um, you know, can you give advice to anyone who may be listening to this that has a desire to go and work for a nonprofit or, you know, have a play a role as a leader in a nonprofit? You know, what is the like if there's one thing you've learned that you think everyone should know going into this, what would that be? Only one thing. <laughs> the most important <laughs> thing. <laughs> I can make it two or three. <laughs> be honest. Be completely transparent. Um, there's a lot of nonprofits out there that feel sometimes that they have to add to their numbers or add to the reporting about what they're doing. And really, if you're doing good work, it's going to stand up for itself. So just be honest, show what you do, tell your donors, this is how I used your money. Um, Or be honest enough in saying, we failed this project. We had to stop it because A, B, or C happened. 
and just be honest because there's no reason to think that nonprofits are perfect. It's just an organization that is not making a profit, but we're all run by people. And people seem to think like, oh, they're going to do everything perfectly. No, we're not. We're humans. We're going to do the best that we can, but be honest about it, both with your good and your bad, learn from your bad and keep doing good. I think um, if we were all transparent with how we use our funds, how we use our time, we could all do a whole bunch more. Yeah, it's very, it's very really simple good and, advice. And yeah, yeah, simple and good advice. Just be honest, be transparent. I like that. Mm-hmm. With with our last question, it's something that we we like to off we like to ask a lot. Is um you know we've talked about the start of AOC and and for AIDS and kind of the how it's going, um in the future. Do you do you think it will look any different? Do you think if you know, we'll have to adapt any differently to how you uh, play your role in Africa? Yes. So we've already had to adapt. Um, It started only with medicine. And then we had the big famine that came through the Horn of Africa and children died because of hunger and not AIDS. Um, I think as a mom, a lot of what has changed is because I look at my own children and I say, how would I react if this was my child? So they are my children. So of course I have to change things. So we added food. Um, And then, well, it's my child. Do I want them to think that welfare for the rest of your life and to look for other people to give you things is okay? No. So how do we train them? So we've already had to move from being an organization that only gave medicine to an organization that wants these children to be self-sufficient. But now I think we're having to change a little bit more, even now, even as I speak. As I said, we've had to add more food programs because of COVID and the unintended consequences. Um, We've also had to open more tailoring shops. That was never a plan, but I don't want girls to sell themselves. So let's train them with other jobs. So now we do hair weaving, we do tailoring, we're doing cooking classes. We're trying to support other projects that will help these girls be able to move through life um, with dignity and with what they need to raise their families. We do more projects with HIV positive moms so that they get fair pay while they're raising their children. And because they're HIV positive, that they don't have to work full, full um, weekdays because they might be sick. So we have had to um, make changes and I'm sure we will continue. And I think that's the beauty of being a small organization that we can react quickly to changes and that we can make those changes without going through 18 different levels of permission seeking. Really it's a one man stop. So do we need to make a change? We can make a change on a dime. Um, As long as it's going to be good for the community and for the families that we're serving. Yeah. yeah, I I think that we will change as we go. React and adapt. Yeah. It's inevitable, right? Yep. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, I think the the mission is so so powerful. I think, like you said, I think AIDS has been a thing that we've we've heard about since day one. Right? I think ever since I, ever since I was born, I, I think I've heard AIDS. You know, is such an mm-hmm. important thing, right? Uh, but I think a lot of people, including myself, still forget that it's still a problem in a lot of different places. I think that's where um, I think it's it's always good to have a, another perspective. Um, you know, and I think everybody should check out the website. 
and kind of see the the programs that they're doing, um, the way they're making the impact, um, and kind of see for yourself how you can do. It. And I think, um, you know, if me and Prince, like we said before, if if we can get in that program, we will. We'd love to to go and kind of. I'll be there. Do that program as well. So, um, we just want to thank you again, Tanya, for your time, um, for sharing uh, your wisdom about program and, and all the stuff you're doing and everyone check out the social media the website and we'll also just we'll put that in the link below but um we again thank you for, for your time tanya yeah, thanks thank so much. you guys it's really really neat to meet you and i'm sure we'll meet again thanks for listening everyone that was a really great conversation to have with tanya about what her organization is doing and the impact that they're having uh in africa um during this aids pandemic that is a very real um pandemic that we are facing now along with obviously what the world is facing in covid yeah like i think i think i mentioned earlier i think uh often we forget right that there's still stuff that has been going for many years right but still up issue and i think getting worse like i think we had mentioned multiple times but um yeah everybody um should check them out kind of uh, check out their social media and all that i think get some awareness about what what they're really doing yeah, and we'll have links to their social media and their website in the description of our podcast so you guys can check that out. And um, I would encourage you guys to donate and support them. I mean, there's so many ways to get involved beyond just donating as well, whether you're participating in one of their programs. Um, but uh, just check out their website and you can see what more there is to give. And we're excited for our conversation next week with Well Aware. You can find that podcast uh, next Monday. This has been Joel and Prince. We can